This time we're going to hear an interview with Kaya Carretta. She's sample roaster at the bean importer Nordic Approach in Norway. She uses very much her senses during the roast, looking at the beans and smelling. And she got a theory about why coffee roasters like to roast. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it starts cracking, there's like this very clear, super fragrant uh, thing that just like pops out as soon as it cracks. And it's really special. It's very weird. And that's, I think that's like why so many people like churros, because they can never anticipate this moment. And when it comes, it's just like... <gasps> You're listening to the podcast Coffee Roasting Navigated. My name is Therese Brenstel. This is a podcast about all the different approaches in coffee roasting. Coffee roasting is a complex process. You can get an automated roaster, so you only have to push a button. But this podcast is about managing the roast to achieve a certain taste. There are many different ways of doing it, as we have already heard in the earlier episodes. After listening to the different roasters, I start to see two categories. Some roasters focus on adjusting what's happening after first crack starts, whereas other roasters choose an endpoint like a certain color or an end bean temperature, and make changes in the road up until that point, like we heard about in episode 3 and 4. Kaya in this episode is in the last category. She adjusts the speed of the roast according to bean color changes, and then has a fixed end point. That's another division in roasting coffee. Those who follow the roast through bean temperature and calculated rate of rise from computer software, and those who follow the roast only through physical changes in the beans. Like we also heard about in episode 2 with roasting by smell. Kaya here does the last. How the beans change color through the roast. This interview was made at the same cupping event as episode 4 with Tony Jacobsen. It was a two-day cupping with 130 different coffees, all roasted by Kaya, or actually by her assistant, but by her directions. I'm sitting here at Nordic Approach in Oslo, and we have just been have cupping for two days with Ethiopians and uh, Kenyans and El Salvador, Costa Rica, and so forth. And now I'm sitting here with the roaster of Nordic Approach. Can you um, present yourself with your name and for how long have you been roasting coffee? Yeah, my name is Kaya Coretta. I've been working with Nordic Approach for two years now. Um, I, um, yeah, for an event like this, uh, it's always a lot of work and we're so happy to have so many hands helping us out. Um, So this is a big work for the roaster of the Nordic Approach. It is indeed. And it's amazing because before I started with my work at Nordic Approach, I actually worked as a production roaster at Solberg, Solberg and Hansen, which is like one very famous big roastery in Norway, uh, where I got a lot of like teaching. And now I've actually, uh, like, um, I've had another assistant who's actually yeah. been roasting all of the samples. So uh, oh, yeah, you just direct all I've things. I've just been director. <laughs> yeah. So, but for how long have you been roasting coffee? Well, it's it must be for three good years now. Yeah. So one year at Solberg Hansen before mm. you came here? Yeah. 
So here it's much more about, instead of production, it's much more about every new bean you have to figure out exactly. how does it shine. Yeah. And this is for the roasting podcast. So this is for coffee roasters. Yeah. So we're going to talk about uh, your approach. Um, of course, you have experience. Kenyans are used to roast this way and all. Mm -hmm. But what I'm making a series about in the beginning of this podcast is uh, how do you determine when to stop the roast? Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> a tough one. I, I discovered that many different roasters has different approaches. Absolutely. So that's why I'm I'm I'm, I'm more curious on how they're different roasts instead of saying on the different approaches instead mm. of saying this is the only right way. Then yeah. I think it's more interesting to see how do we make it work all the different approaches. Yeah, I see what you're saying. So as of now, we're roasting mm -hmm. on a small uh, barrel roaster from Probats, uh, and like our keyword when we're roasting samples is basically just to make sure that they are developed correctly. Because mm -hmm. it's hard to it's hard to like profile coffees on the sample roaster because there's really not that much to control. Yeah. So um, how many grams and it's on gas roaster? Yeah, it's a, it's a gas roaster and we use 100 grams uh, in Ooh. one batch. Um, a batch is normally six to seven minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the temperature, it varies from, we have a drop temperature on 150 and we take it out at around 170, 180 degrees Celsius. And you said drop temperature. Mm. Uh, no, so that's the preheating. So yeah. when the bean temperature says 150. Yeah. And when do you have, because bean probes are very different, when, yeah. when do you have first crack around what... Uh, Normally at around, um, so the weird thing is that our probes are like in way back of the machine. Mm -hmm. So they don't necessarily do the bean temperature. They do the outturn temperature. Oh. So I think it's, I think it's like, it's hard to say what kind of temperature it really is, but yeah, it's I probably see. around 150, I would think again, okay. but it's probably yeah. around 200. That's oh. what I've seen like in general over all of the roasters that I've worked <laughs> with. It's like 200 is normally that yeah. degree. Where it's it just because crack. bean probes are so different, but you don't have yeah. a bean probe actually. The no. probe is not into the bean. It's the it's exhaust air. It's the exhaust uh, air. And what did you say that you are in exhaust air temperature where you normally stop? Yeah. Oil, uh, the, the stop temperature, mm -hmm. uh, like 170. Ah, 160, that was 170. Yeah, okay, sorry. Good. So tell more about uh, you, you. First of all, you want the bean to de be developed. Yes. Uh, long enough roasting for that and yeah. can you look at the bean during the roast do you have a trier yeah it's an open system so it's like a, it's like a big hole in the front of the machine which mm -hmm. is like an open pouty lip basically mm -hmm. uh, so we stick a spoon in and check the coffee every yeah. time and one thing that's uh, that has been very important for me when I train my assistants is that they have to look at the coffee mm. like if you're gonna try to be a roaster then you have to understand what's happening at the different times so we look at the coffee to determine uh, when it's ready. Also, like, uses all of our senses. It's very artisanal, you know, you have to look, smell, hear, so. And when you say look at the beans, it's both the color and the texture of the surface. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, can you tell me more, what, what do you want to see there? So, the um, like, I want to see a very clear color change. And you mm -hmm. have that about two to three times, I would say, like from, from raw bean to yellow, from yellow to brownish, and then from brown to like properly developed, where you have like this really beautiful brown color, which will vary in a lot of shades. 
I also want the beans to expand properly because it's almost like when you have a green bean, you see that it's like so tight and it's so small. Mm. But when you have a good roast, you can see that it's like fully open. There's like no roasting defects. There's no cracks or like ugly things at all. So I want to see like an expansion. Yeah. Yeah. But another roaster here at this uh, cupping told me that he thought that Kenyans, he didn't, mm-hmm. he still have, you can call it moon landscape. Yeah. That it still has, uh, yeah, craters it, that it isn't expanded fully. Mm. That he thought then, then it gotten too much. Whereas, mm. uh, I can't remember the other one, if he said no. uh, El Salvador or something, then that very easily yeah. expands and get all even on the surface. Mm. Um, so you have to know the different beans where they... Uh, yeah, you do. And I think you will... Like we are so lucky because we're roasting so many different kinds of coffees, yeah. so we will like immediately uh, see whether a Kenyan coffee or an El Salvadorian coffee or an Honduran coffee is ready. Because it's like you say, they will vary a lot, and the drying and the processing methods in Kenya will be mm-hmm. quite different from the ones in El Salvador. And my opinion is that that will affect how the roast is taken as well in the bean. The color what do you count. mean by the color? Is the roast is taken? Taken, like taken, like for me, washed oh, Kenyans, say mm-hmm. for instance, they're quite light, even though you feel like you're roasting them really hard, mm-hmm. they will still be like quite light, uh, have this like moon, light color, yeah, light color, mm-hmm. and the moon landscape, text, yeah, yeah, landscape where you like s- almost see like ridges of yeah. color, and you will also have like the silver skin in the middle of yeah. the ridge. It will still be white. It will still be very light. white, very yeah. light, and yeah. it will make a very big contrast contrast towards the brownness, mm-hmm. which will make the bean look even lighter. Whereas of an El Salvador, even though if you have a washed coffee, the the silver skin or the the ridge in the middle will still seem like it's a honey process. If you understand what I'm saying, so it's like the contrast of of of. Um, So you're thinking it's more kind of the ver- botanical variety of yeah, the bean, I maybe, so. or maybe yeah. the height also, yeah. or something yeah, makes. Even though I washed both at uh, yeah. El Salvador and Kenya, yeah. it will be, it will be different in the. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I've seen. Like yeah. uh, we've also had uh, a couple of uh, El Salvador coffees that are SL28, but they don't look like an Kenyan SL28, even though. Morton was in Kenya. Yeah. Took the parchment, meaning the beans. Here Kaya talks about Morton. It must be Morton Vinnersgaard, the guy who started Nordic Approach. He travels the world to find good coffees. The SL28 is a botanical variety of coffee Arabica, developed in Kenya. A very high-valued bean. Morton was in Kenya. Yeah. Took the parchment, meaning the beans with still the outer shell mm-hmm. on the side of it. Uh, took them to El Salvador, had the farmers plant it. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we bought the lot and it doesn't even look the same. So there must be like a climate, soil, yeah. fertilizing, yeah. so many things. So many things. And it's But terrible. can you give away because your special position is that you get through so many beans. So uh, many So can you say more rule of thumb about um, about uh, wash or naturals or high grown, low grown mm. uh, in how they, um, how much, how how do you want to see how they end? How do you want to say that now they're fully developed? Yeah. So our normal approach when we, when we get samples, uh, we would always register them into our own like lab master, we call it, mm-hmm. where we register like the sample number, name, process, variety, where it's from, 
and all the information that we can get our hands on. Mm -hmm. And then we will also do like a, a moisture uh, reading, meaning like the percentage of water still left in the bean. And we will also do a water activity reading, which it's kind of hard to tell what it still does. I haven't really figured it out. But basically, this water activity meter is supposed to tell us if there is water active still in the bean and how active it is. And there's it's like a saying. It's the free water. The free water. Yeah. And there's like a saying that's like between 040 and 070 something something, it's supposed to be okay. But whether it's, if it's over or below, it's not a good thing. And um, so we would take that into consideration. And also we, Morton has been like pretty much everywhere. So he usually knows a lot of the coffees that we get samples of or the people that send those samples. Mm. Um, but we would always take the same approach. We would heat the machine up and try to like at least develop it as good as we can. If we see that it's taking roast, like taking color, changing very rapidly, mm. we would slow that in the roast. So if you see how quickly it changes and it's uh, yeah. all during the roast. Yeah. Also when how quick comes yellow and yeah. uh, how does it proceed from there. Yeah. And then what do you notice particularly when first crack starts? What are your attention? Well, there? one of the things that I learned from the roast master that I learned how to roast coffee on uh, was basically to look at the kind of smoke that the beans release. Mm-hmm. When it's right around crack or when it's cracking, the smoke that like the excess water that actually is like so hot that it actually like expands uh, the bean, expands the bean, evaporates. It's very blue in color. Blue? It's very like blue grayish. It's very visible. It's okay. strange. Yep. But when you stand there with the spoon, you see it very clearly. Uh-huh. Um, so right around crack, we would or when the roast when you sample roast here at Nordic Approach, we would always look at the bean at all times. If you roast, you're standing by the roaster at all the time, like constantly. So you would see that con- uh, that sudden smoke and then you would know, okay, it's right about now. It's gonna crack uh, in a minute. It's, uh, it's the sign before the actual crack. Yes, for me it is. Or at least on our roaster with it's the beans that we roast, yeah, the way we it. roast. <laughs> You know, it's very individual, all of yeah. this. That's the hard part. And then when you know it's coming, then you'd maybe turn down the heat or something? No, yeah. no? we go on. on. Yeah. <laughs> right on. <laughs> Hit on. Right on. <laughs> um, I think it's um, it's it's hard because I've worked with uh, the Cropster uh, Roasting Intelligence, which is like so cool to work with. That's a software? That's a software mm-hmm. to, to basically, it basically lets you track uh, bean temperature and this thing that they call rate of rise like how fast the temperature within the bean is rising yeah as far as i understand uh which for me still is like a kind of sorcery that i haven't really understood because yeah we've done a lot of experiments but it's um you don't get much i don't uh, get it i don't get much (laughs) of it Uh, but um but um but you're much more using your senses looking and smelling And, and do you smell as well yeah we do we use smell a lot because there's like when you have this like open when we use the roaster that we do right now it's open in the front like i said mm-hmm. um and when it starts cracking there's like this very clear super fragrant uh thing that just like pops out as soon as it cracks and it's really special it's very weird and that's i think that's like why so many people like to roast because they can never anticipate this moment and when it comes it's just like <gasps> <sighs> and is that the character of the bean that comes there yeah, from the right so. from the cracks? Yeah, it's like when the when the bean is, ex- is expanding. Mm. Mm. 
And then, so when first crack, you don't turn the heat down or anything? No, no. We would, um, so the thing with our rosary would have, um, we have like a gas uh, manometer. It basically measures how much gas we put into the machine. And then you can also adjust the flame. Mm. So we only have like a two-step flame. You can ah. either have it at step one or step two. <laughs> <laughs> it's very primitive. <laughs> uh, but it's also very fun because you learn how to roast very quickly. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's like when you, you don't do get confused about 17 no. steps. No. <laughs> when you do a mistake, you do a terrible mistake. <laughs> And then when you make it right, it's really good. So we do like two steps. We would have the flame on step two, which is like basically full power. Mm-hmm. And we would have the gas on half speed. Um... When we start the roast, we will have it at like maybe three on the gas, uh, where whereas five is half. Okay. Yeah. That's on the manometer. That's on the manometer. Mm-hmm. That's the gas that comes into the machine. The flame will be on step two all the time, no matter what. We would just like adjust the air to cool down or heat up the machine. Mm. Um, but uh, when we start, it's like uh, the gas is on three. And then after three to four minutes, depending on how the coffee is yellowing or browning, we would adjust the gas up to five. After five minutes, we're on five on the gas, basically meaning half speed. When we're coming to crack, we're just going to leave it there, basically for as long as it takes. Here Kaya tells about turning up the heat when the beans turn yellow and start browning. I was surprised to hear this because I've only heard about turning the heat down at this point or at least when approaching first crack. But Kaya tells that she keeps the heat at step five from yellowing point and for the rest of the roast. This reminds me of Mikkel in episode five, roaster at La Cabra here in Denmark. He also uses high speed heat during first crack. And again, we're going to use the example of El Salvador's and Kenyans. Kenyans, they like they would like go shooting all over the place. They will like crack and very quickly, very quickly, uh, and be happy and merry. It will smell delicious, <laughs> and everything's like woohoo, howdy, howdy, howdy. And uh, but the El Salvadors are like so hard because when they first crack, it will be like all over the place. Where lasts for 30 seconds and then it's over, and then you have to de- determine on what you want to do next. Like how long are you gonna very quickly? Yeah, how long are you gonna let it go? And you want to make sure that. All the beans are developed because when you roast 100 grams, it's quite a lot of coffee. It's not that much, but when you can see and hear every bean, you want to make the best out of it. Mm. So, and if you turn off, if you turn off the heat on these machines, you know it's an open hole right yeah. in front. So right away the heat drops. It will drop <laughs> immediately. It's not like um, my past job. I would have a 120 kilo roaster. Oh, so <laughs> if you didn't, it changes. It would come two minutes later. Ages. Here it's like. <laughs> Right yeah. away. Yeah. So that's the difference in small and big batches yes. to roasting. And that's why it's so difficult to roast another small sample. I'll say, I'll do the same thing. I would say so, On the yeah. big one. Yeah. But when the first crack starts, do you then uh, note the time? Do you look at yeah. it? Yeah. So we normally do, we're quite strict on, on like protocols. I want mm-hmm. everything to be measured because I had a really good roast master that taught me a lot of things. So we would, um, we would uh, as soon as we start a roast, we would note down the starting temperature, which is basically basically the temperature when we pour in the beans into the roaster. Drop in temperature. Drop in temperature. We would uh, write down uh, the yellowing temperature and time. Mm-hmm. We would record down or write down the browning temperature and time. 
and also the beginning of first crack. And then I just have to stop you yeah. from yellowing to browning. Oh, that's so hard. <laughs> I guess you have to figure your own system. But yeah. I use uh, when there's no more green left, I call it yellow. But mm. at the same time, sometimes the brown starts along with the green is still there. Yeah, so I what know. is your rule of thumbs? How do you? My rule of thumb is like uh, it's like a it's like a Fifty Shades of Green novel. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> um, so no, but you will go from like green to like greenish yellowish and then you would go to yellow from yellow to brownish caramel almost or like you know when you bake bread mm. when it's like almost ready but not completely done in the middle of the bread it has this like really beautiful caramelly finish on top you have to let it sit a little bit more before it like before it's like okay. properly done um and then brown is like chocolatey brown like your hair almost which sun rays in it yeah, yeah. but it's hard to say I call it when it starts to get dark mm. brown. Mm. Uh, I note down that because normally on my old roaster anyway, yeah. it took two minutes before first crack came normally. Yeah. Approximately. Yeah. That was just what I... Because mm. there's so many shades of dark brown. There is. Yeah. So many shades. Yeah. But it's hard. But that's also why we record everything and write down everything so yeah. we have a kind of a track memory. But you were uh, going along then at first crack, you note down time and temperature. Time, time and temperature. And then you note down drop. Yeah, so... Yeah, we not down drop. So basically, <laughs> we've started like this new thing now is well, like we will start a timer when we start to roast. But as soon as the first crack starts, we will reset the timer ah. and start it again. So and then normally we would go up until 45 to 50 seconds. But this also varies a lot. Like we've had some terrible days this winter in Oslo. It's been really cold. Mm-hmm. So we've seen that a lot of our numbers have moved and shifted a lot due to the outside temperature, like outside of the actual roastery. So, um, but yeah, that's how we do it. And also on a rainy day now, it's rainy. Mm-hmm. And when it's a sunny day, does that also... It affects a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, like in our very small lab, it's maybe like double the size of this room that we're in now, which is quite cramped. <laughs> um, it's, uh, we only have a window. We don't have a fan. There's no nothing. So So you have nice smoke in the house. Nice smoke in the house all day long. (laughs) No, we have a vent. So it goes out quite okay. But uh, on warm days, we we struggle. We work in short shorts and t-shirts. It's getting so warm. And you see that in the protocols that I've put down when I started in 2015. That uh, in the summer times, it's very short uh, roast profiles, yeah. and it's very hard to prevent <laughs> it. And then in the winter, it's almost very—it's difficult to try to uh, keep up. Yeah, to, to keep up. Yeah. Um, but when you told me that you take uh, time from first crack is normally well, did you say forty-five to fifty seconds? Yeah. But isn't that very different from let's take again the Kenyans and the Salvadors? Uh, no, not necessarily. Not as we've seen. So at Nordic Approach, the development time is always around 45 to 50 seconds. I was surprised to hear that, that it was the same for all beans. As I explained in episode 5, in my experience, different beans excels at different development times. And I was surprised that such short development time is enough for all beans. The coffees I tasted wasn't underdeveloped or grassy. But it must be because of the high heat during first crack. Again, it reminds me of Mikkel in episode 5. He also had these short development times. He was from 45 to 60 seconds, 
and he also roasted at high speed during first crack. But I have to emphasize, this is a very light roast degree. Sample roasting should be done fit to the roast degree the beans are meant for later on. I just heard Rob Hoos from the United States talk about doing sample roasting at two minutes from first crack start. But when you told me that you take uh, time from first crack is normally, well, did you say 45 to 50 seconds? Yeah. But isn't that very different from, let's take again, the Kenyans and El Salvador's? Uh, no, not necessarily. Not as we've seen. I mean, we're driven by like a very strict rule, which is we want to develop every coffee so it can taste as good as it possibly can, no matter who does it. And then it's the roaster's job, your job, to profile it to like the excellent level. So we try our best to be as efficient, like take for instance this event. We've been roasting two days for this event. How many coffees have you been roasting? I mean, there was 30. 130 samples, <laughs> which is a lot. Yes. Um, uh, and uh, we have to be as consistent and uh, yeah, as stable as we possibly can. And when you move from Kenya to El Salvador, it's there will be a difference. But then again, the people behind the roaster, they will know when they change from Kenya to El Salvador. So they will keep a weathering eye on it. Let's put it that way. Of course. But normally it's been pretty easy to do the same profile. So if you say that the time is about the same, about these 50 seconds. Yeah. Do you then vary the heat during recording to... When you look at the development and everything, do you then know that this coffee needs more heat? Or yeah. what do you vary from? Yeah, so like what we're saying, the this machine we're working on, working on is really small. So whatever changes you do, it's going to affect immediately. immediately. So the, the easiest and the safest bet is to actually adjust the air mm. of the machine. So basically more air, more heat. Less air, less heat. It's very easy on this machine. Um, so if, uh, for instance, John, who is my assistant, who's been roasting the samples, uh, if he is roasting El Salvador's and he's like seeing that or he's hearing or seeing that everything is going very quickly, he would adjust the air. He would never, he would never adjust the heat. Oh. So if you need to stop the process or put a little yeah. slow on it. You would either, yeah, if you would you slow it, then you would give turn less, the air down? less air to the mm. machine. And that's it when you're following the all these development and by sight all the f- yeah. the color and mm. the 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 structure of mm. the bean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Good. Here you got to know your own roaster. What airflow does. It depends on the construction. On my roaster at half load, the airflow increases the rate of rise from step 1 to 4. But at step 5, it starts to cool the rate of rise drops and can even go on negative. But with larger batches, this increases. So at full batch load, it's first at step nine, it starts to cool. And uh, do you, when you have new beans, do you roast them differently and then taste them in different roasts? Uh, so no, not it necessarily. It seems like you have the standard procedure for Yeah, we have a really, I mean, <laughs> a normal day for us. Uh, a normal day for us would be receiving maybe 
40 to 60 samples. Wow, in one day. In one day. Um, and then you're going to cup all of them the next day. So you so basically you have all of these samples. You know they have to be roasted. It's better just to keep it stable. Okay. Keep it steady. Yeah, so you don't, you can't use that much energy on no. uh, trying the different ones. And how many samples can you roast in one day? If uh, what is your maximum? Ah, oh, fudge. So I've counted in. So this is like the hard part because uh, I've counted in for for uh, if we're gonna roast for customers to send out because we send our roasted ah, samples as well, which yeah. is kind of cool. I'm very proud of that. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, we roast well enough so people can actually judge it, which is mm -hmm. great. Um, so yeah, like including packing, printing labels, weighing out the coffees, ah. one roast will take 10 minutes and we can roast wow. four roasts at a time. Yeah. And I've never been very good at math. It's <laughs> a lot of coffee. <laughs> it's a lot of coffee. I can imagine yeah. that. Wow. Mm. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it is really cool. Well, I think that's about it. What do you prefer in coffee? What uh, what do you uh, what tastes um, is it the aromas is it the basic taste, the balance, the cleanness? Uh, oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. I think it's oh, that's hard. Or do you don't drink coffee because all day you have so much coffee? So oh, I drink enough? a lot of coffee. <laughs> I do. Oh yeah, I love good coffee. It doesn't matter where it's from. Yeah. Uh, but I like sweetness. I really like sweet things. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I can love like a crazy acidic Kenyan, but it will have to have the sweetness to back it up. Yeah. Yeah. So as of now, I'm really looking forward to summer and getting uh, Colombian samples in because mm -hmm. usually that's like the best time of year. Impressive how fast Kaya can roast samples. 10 minutes per sample, four samples at a time. That's 24 roasts an hour when working non-stop. If you can do that for eight hours, it's 192 samples. And with all those samples to roast every day, both new and ones from stock, I can see how there's not time to explore each bean. Again, impressive that they taste good. I didn't taste any underdeveloped grassy taste in those I tasted. There were one or two that tasted a bit too dark, a bit burnt, but when considering that 130 samples were roasted for this event, that's nothing. It's funny to compare this to episode 3. Here Morten also looked at the color of the beans, but that was only to decide when to stop the roast. All the way up until that point, he steers the roast according to the bean temperature curve. Whereas Kaya used the color of the bean during the roast, but drops according to time. That's it for now. I have already made an interview for the next episode. That's with roaster James Simon from the United States. He wrote in the Facebook group for this podcast because he wondered about those very light roasts from episode 5 and 6. When you stop the roast already one minute from first crack start, then first crack is normally not yet over. Does it then taste good? Yes, I know these crazy light roasts are not very common, not even here in Denmark, even though they are called Scandinavian roasts. And it's a different story than darker roast. 
That we will talk more about in episode 8. You can find this podcast on my website, coffeenavigated.net slash podcast. Or you can subscribe to it on your smartphone in your podcast app. Search for Coffee Roasting Navigated. My name is Therese Brunstel. Some people drink coffee to get through the day. Others get through the day to drink good coffee.